0: Hey, GF family. How you doing? Pastor Rod here. Hope all is well with you and your family. Um, We are thankful that God has given us another day to gather, to huddle around his word and to see what he would say to us. I want to jump right in. I'm excited about the message this morning. I want to encourage you to share this, get this out. Uh, It's entitled The Well, The Well. You can find me in Genesis chapter 29. I'm going to do a little bit of reading this morning, so I encourage you to get a copy of God's word you can meet me in Genesis chapter 29, verses 4 through 20. And then we'll jump over to John chapter 4, verses 11 through 18. Let's hear the reading of God's word. What time is it? Word time. Okay, good. I hope you all heard that in the back. It says this, Jacob asked the men at the well, my brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran. They answered, do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Jacob asked them, they answered, we know him. Is he well, Jacob asked? Yes, they said, and here is his daughter Rachel coming with his sheep. Then Jacob said, look, it is still broad daylight. It is not time for the animals to be gathered, water the flock, then go out to let them graze. But they replied, we can't until all the flocks have been gathered and the stone is rolled from the wells opening. Then we will water the sheep. While he was speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. As soon as, uh, as soon as Jacob saw his uncle Laban daughter Rachel with the sheep, he went up and rolled the stone from the opening and watered his uncle Laban's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept out loud or loudly. He told Rachel that he was his father's relative, Rebecca's son, She ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what your wages will be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel. He said, I will serve her for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better to give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So, So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Let's jump down to John chapter 4, New Testament. John chapter 4, verse 11 through 18 says this Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks from from this water, from Jacob's well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty in have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. I want to talk to you from the concept or the title of the well. Point number one is too much now. Point number two, my Rachel. Point number three, vaccinated waters. Vaccinated waters. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are consistent. Thank you that you don't change. Thank you that there is no fault, no failure in you. Father, I pray for us as we live in a day like many of us have never seen before filled with its own unique challenges and difficulties. I pray for your people. God, will we be reminded today of your awareness of where we are and would you stir up our confidence in who you are and your plan for us in Jesus' name, amen. 2020, wow, Um, many of us, cannot wait for December 31st to come Uh, if this was a basketball game and I was playing in it and I was getting whoop and, and beat like 2020 has been I would probably say you got this one let's just stop now and let's run it back let's start zero zero we live in crazy times whether it's just the polarization of this political season that we find ourselves in, where in, in my short lifetime, I don't remember a time that this country was more polarized. Or whether it's the shooting of Jacob Blake that has our nation un- unraveling again. I want to pray for him and his family. Or whether it's the protests and the looting, or the looting and the protests. It, it depends on how one sees that, right? Maybe it's the sports landscape, and we're watching as 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 more and more athletes are getting more and more involved in in social circles and issues of justice and so on and so forth. It's maybe it's our kids that tomorrow morning go back to school and maybe not darkening the door of some school building, but 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 setting up shop in their home and and getting their work done. Maybe it's economic challenges that we are facing in our job and in our career. And maybe there's limitations or other challenges that we have. Maybe it's us still grieving and being vexed over the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's hearing someone like Chad Boseman, Mr. Black Panther passing away at the early age of 43, another one to fall victim to cancer and, and all of the implications that come with that. Man, 2020 has been a crazy year. So I don't know where you are this morning. I mean, when I'm talking about personal and relational challenges, just overall, this, this 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 ecosystem of of challenge that we find ourselves in 2020 has been one for the record books maybe we'll sit back one day on the on a back porch somewhere and and say to one another hey you remember 2020 you know that crazy year and, and and the things I'm talking to you now about are national headlines. But if I was to, to dive deep, if I was to come into your home and, and maybe put my foot up on your coffee table and just dive into the headlines of your own life, what 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 kind of headlines would emerge? What kind of challenges do you find yourself in? And one of the things I want to say very, very early is that God sees and God knows. That's encouraging. He's not blind. And he knows, he hears, he's concerned. He hasn't vacated his throne. In the midst of a crazy season where many of us just want to throw our hands up and say, it's too much now. God is still present. And one of the things I love about God's word is he shows us characters in scriptures that are are going through similar challenges that we're going through. I'm so glad he doesn't just show us nice, clean, pristine characters in the Bible. No, he shows us characters in the Bible that are a hot and heated mess. I'm thankful for that because I need to know that I am not the only one experiencing the effects of sin, but all throughout uh, biblical history, there've been characters in scriptures that are struggling. Today, I wanna look at Jacob. want to give you a little bit of context. I don't want to assume that you know this story. If you want to do your homework, you can start in Genesis chapter 25 and then work your way down to where we are in Genesis chapter 29. It is a lot of context. I'm going to surmise that for us in a very short period of time. If you heard of God referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, it is God showing himself that he is a God that is for his people. He is a God that is that is generational, that he that he walks with us throughout generations. He also is a God of promise. and So when we see this, this term, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's he's showing that he is a covenantal God. And this this person, Jacob, is 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 the grandson of Abraham. And and his mother's name is Rebecca, who is married to Isaac. She gets pregnant. She has twins. And and there's a lot of struggle going on in her womb. So she goes to the Lord and asks the Lord, what is going on? And here's the word she gets. There's a struggle in your womb and the older shall serve the younger. The older guy's name is Esau and the younger son's name is Jacob. Instead of waiting on God, uh, Isaac, I'm, I'm sorry, Rebecca and Jacob conceived this plan on how they're going to manipulate the situation and get the birthright and the promise. From, their, from the children's father, Isaac. So they create this plan to trick Isaac, to give Jacob the blessing and to rob it from Esau. Esau finds out and he is a man of the field and he is a hunter and he is a gatherer. And so he is now out to kill his brother Jacob for stealing the birthright. Rebecca gets word of this and she sends she sends Jacob away. Go quickly when your brother finds out he's going to he's going to be angry and he's going to want to kill you. Go to my brother Laban and hang out there until your brother cools down. And this is where our text finds Jacob. So I want you to see his mindset. He's on the run from his brother. He's very close to his mother, not so close to his father. So there's all kind of sibling rivalry going on there. He's not with his mother anymore to protect him or to show him insights. He's he's all alone. He has no wife. He has no family, and now he's on this on on the run to Laban, his his uncle. As he travels there, he gets to this to this well. I'm so glad this morning that the scriptures show us the complexity of someone like Jacob's, whose name means deceiver. Yet this man, God still wants to use in the same way, no matter where you are or where you find yourself or what your difficulty is or what you think you have done to exclude yourself from being engaged with the living God. God still wants to use you. So we come here to read about a fellow sufferer. We come here to read about a fellow sinner. Someone pilgriming through this world in need of a living God. So Jacob stumbles on this well and this well uh, in agricultural times was a was a symbol of life. You had to go there. People would congregate there. People would meet there. Someone from your family had to go and retrieve that water and take back to the home so that your family would survive. And Jacob stumbles on this well, he meets these men at this well who are not really helpful. But then all of a sudden, Rachel comes. Point two, my Rachel. I wanna focus in on verses nine from Genesis chapter 29 it says this, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her, with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. As soon as Jacob saw his uncle Laban's daughter, Rachel, with his sheep, he went up, rolled away the stone from the opening and watered his uncle Laban's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept loudly. Now this opening on top of the well would be something that would take several people to remove because it was very, very heavy. The reason they have a covering there was to protect stuff from falling into the well or to prevent dust from 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 settling on top of the water supply there at the well. Jacob in haste sees this stone runs to the stone and removes this heavy stone by himself. And it makes me wonder, as you watch that, what is motivating Jacob in those actions? He then begins to feed his uncle's sheep which is a long, laborious process. He then sees Rachel, who the scriptures have already said is very, very beautiful, he kisses her, and then he weeps out loud. And the question that I have here as I think about this text is what is driving his emotion and optimism in how he's moving? He's just leaving a tragic situation and now he's, he's moving heavy stones by himself, which some commentators would say is a supernatural strength to take, that, uh, to, to take that energy to remove that stone away. He's feeding sheep and now he's kissing and weeping with Rachel. One of the things that I conclude as I think through this, this is more than just attraction. I think attraction is clearly there as we keep reading down in the text. Maybe Jacob's trying to impress her. Maybe Jacob's trying to grab her attention, show her his strength, show her his know how. Jacob is emotional. He's, he kisses her and then he begins to weep with her. But I think more is happening behind the text. Here's what I think is happening. I believe. Jacob sees Rachel and sees someone he can build his life with and build his life on. So I think what Jacob sees is in Rachel is foundation. Verse 18 will tell us Jacob, Jacob loved Rachel and he tells Laban I would work for her for seven years. Now, Kaisha is beautiful and I love her. She's amazing. But if her dad said, if you want to marry her, you have to work for me for seven years. To a 23-year-old Pastor Rod. At least... You know, I'll do it. Right. I'm on the video. That's what I need to say. I'll do it. Okay, cool. But but I'm going to have some conversations with pops. And I'm going to say, uh, y- y- yeah, um, seven years. That's irrational. Let's think about this. Let's, let's bargain. Let's, let's compromise. Uh, how about 18 months? And then he'll say something. And we'll kind of meet in the middle. That's how these things work. Jacob out the gate with no prompting says an irrational number. What's happening here? He's willing to do anything to have her. Because what Rachel becomes for Jacob is this idol that's going to overpromise and underdeliver. And that's what idols do. And Rachel cannot be his everything. I want to pause and say Your children cannot be your everything. Your husband, your wife cannot be your everything. Your your, your ministry, your work cannot be your everything. The stuff you own, your homes, your car cannot be everything because you and I both know, we both know it doesn't work but we find ourselves time and time again, caught up with idols that over and under You see, we work for the stuff we love, but we sacrifice wildly for our idols. I mean, just just recently, there are many famous people that are in the news and and, and, and you read their stories and, and you wonder how this famous person could commit this act or, or how this Christian leader could commit this act. You like, how how did he get to this place? How did he rise so high and get sink so low? It's the stuff that we do for the idols that we don't replace. And I know this year has been a crazy year, an insane year. But What is the thing right now that you're hoping in that if blank happens, things will get better. If so and so gets in the office, things will get better as if the office of the presidency had the power to bring about really lasting change. Where are you finding your or or where are you hoping to find your peace, your joy, your satisfaction? Because wherever that place is, beloved, that's your well. That's where you're going functionally. You'll never tell me you're going there. If me and you were sitting down and having coffee, you would never say, Pastor Rod, I am functionally going to alcohol to deal with my situation today. You would never say, Pastor Rodney, if my husband left me, I, I'll, I'll blow my brains out. I don't know what I'll do. If, if my kids don't approve of me, if I lose my job, like, like what is that thing? Not, 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 not something you'll say, but something that's an undercurrent of your heart that you're really trusting in to bring about your reclaim for 2020. I don't know. I don't know what it is. One of the things, guys, after this morning. One of the things, guys, after this morning, in the culture in which we live, where it feels like whatever we touch crumbles. I don't know if that's how it feels for you, but even this week and and stuff that we're working on here at the church, just feel like, man, how do I move? What what do I touch? It seems like, man, as you start planning for this, then then some news happens that slows that down. If you start planning for this, then 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 some wrench gets in the plan and it slows that down. It just seems like like man, God is is really beckoning the attention of me. He's beckoning the attention of you. I would argue he's beckoning the attention of this country to cause us to lift our eyes and look to the hills. One of the things that I think the coronavirus is doing in the midst of racial injustice, in the midst of political strife, in the midst of uh, 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 just all the unrest in our world, not to mention the normal stuff that happens to us. One of the things this year has done is it's given our God a captive audience. He's calling us to help People see him not just as some cute thing to add to their resume, but the well in which I go to receive nourishments and strength. Jacob's well, Rachel and Rachel won't be enough. As a matter of fact, you keep reading that story. One thing you find out is on the wedding night when when Jacob finally thinks he's going to get Rachel, Laban tricks him and and he replaces Rachel with Leah And so uh, Jacob consummates his marriage with Leah and not with Rachel. And So he wakes up in the next the, 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 the next morning after doing what married people do on their wedding night. He wakes up and it's Leah. The thing he thought would bring satisfaction, his foundation, his well gets swapped out. And instead of Rachel, it's Leah. Isn't that. So much of what happens when we put too much of our hopes, desires, trust, fidelity into something that was never created to hold it. Maybe for Rachel, what's her what's her idol? Well, it's being a mom story would go on if you keep reading that she says in the next chapter, she says, if I don't have a child, I rather die. Those are her words, not mine. She finds her identity. She finds who she is. She finds her purpose for living and being a mom. And I want to say to every woman meant praise God, you know, for your children, but they were never meant to be your purpose. The relationship with someone in marriage, praise God. But but those things were never designed to hold the full weight for you in your life. As a matter of fact, my wife is going to join me in a bit and we're going to dive in a little bit deeper on marriage and relationships along these same lines. Your marriage was never meant to hold you up. Your pursuit of justice, as amazing as that is. And praise God for 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 justice warriors but you're more than the work you do. You're more than the sacrifice you make. Or maybe look at Laban, what's his idol? You can argue Laban's idol is is money and greed and so he uses his daughters and he uses Jacob to get more and more wealth and his plan fails miserably because when Jacob leaves, he tricks Laban and Laban loses wealth to Jacob. You see, the thing we're trusting in always seems to disappoint. To disappoint. If 2020 has done anything, it's given God a captive audience. And God will use all of it to lead people to himself and to recapture the attention of his people. Beloved, two words, real big here. Don't miss it. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. The coronavirus vaccine can't do it. The election cannot do it. No party can do it. No reform policy can do it. No sports season can do it. No funeral can do it. No reproved law enforcement can do it. Trust Jesus. Your mama can't do it. Dad can't do it. Family can't do it. Money can't do it. Goals and ambitions, praise God, can't do it. Your connections and who you know and who you rub shoulders, with can't do it. Your trust, your fidelity has to be in Jesus. Last point. Vaccinated water. Um, I have a bottle of water in my hands. One of the things that you check for, either consciously or subconsciously, every time you, you open one of these bottles as you're listening for this sound. It wasn't as loud, but the sound was there. And What that sound does is it is it helps you see that somewhere there was a seal on this water. And as I broke the seal, it it helps gives me this assurance that this water is okay for me to drink. It's okay for me to drink. Look at the same well that Jacob was just at. And some hundreds of years later, there's another encounter with a man and a woman at this very well. And this woman approaches it. She does not have sheep with her, she does not have the flock from her father, she comes all alone. She comes does not go early in the morning or late in the evening, she comes in the full heat of day. And there she will encounter a man that is en route. This man, unlike Jacob, does not stumble on this well or by happenstance comes to this well. This man that is gonna meet this woman at the well comes there with great intentionality. As a matter of fact, his words is that he must go through Samaria where this well is. And he comes there and he has this encounter with this woman. I think what's important for us to remember here Is that this this is a very familiar story known as the woman at the well. This is a Samaria woman. She is a mixed breed woman. And here comes this man named Jesus. He is a Jew. And here's the first thing she points out. Jews and Samarians don't mix. But yet this man steps over all kinds of boundaries to talk to this woman at this well. And here's how he starts. And I love it. He starts by saying, give me a drink. Here is this single man asking this Sumerian woman for a drink. And maybe she's thinking in her mind, well, maybe he's just like every other man. Maybe that is his weak pickup line to give me a drink. Maybe he is unaware of the race problems of our day that we are not supposed to even be talking. Yet she engages the conversation. Because here's what's going to happen. What she needs is going to come from an unfamiliar place. What she's going to what she needs in her life is going to come from a place that she may not expect it. Beloved, I think that's true of you and true of me. I think sometimes we are overthinking things. I think sometimes we're anxious over things that we shouldn't be anxious over. I think sometimes we have put so much pressure into something we are supposed to do in light of this pandemic. Instead of being someone we're supposed to be in this pandemic. What if the father is stealing our heart this morning to bring us back to things like communing with the Father? What if the sanctity that you need in your mind cannot come from scrolling down Facebook or Instagram? What if what you and I really need is time alone with God? What if what we really need is contemplation on God and his word to memorize his word and hide it in our hearts so we won't sin against him. What if what we really need is not more busy and more action and more doing, but more Sabbath and more solitude? What if one of the ways that God wants to mature us and grow us is to teach us where to drop our buckets into? Beloved, I believe we're supposed to go. I believe we're supposed to work. I believe we're supposed to be active in justice. I believe we're supposed to be caring about our community. I believe we're supposed to be loving others and serving others. But you can't do that when you yourself are parched and thirsty. Drop buckets. Not into the well of this world or into the well of social media, into the well of this 24-hour news cycle. No, drop buckets into the well that will never run dry. Drop buckets into this living water, this vaccinated water that cures us from the virus of sin and the flesh and distractions and worry and anxiety, drop buckets into this living water, this vaccinated water that's free for you to drink as much as you can, whose rivers flow without any kind of halting or hesitation where there is no pollution, no decay in these waters, drink deeply, drop buckets into this living water, That Jesus offers. I love what he says in verse 13 of of John 4. He says, everyone who drinks of this water talking about Jacob's well, the same well from Genesis chapter 29. He says anyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst. Oh, that we, Lord, would mature to this place where we know where to find our substance and our strength. And thank you for being a father who allows us to run to wrong wells so we know to run to the well that is full and healthy and living for us. Whoever drinks of Jacob's well, whoever drinks of the well of your idol, no matter how much you achieve, no matter how awesome that relationship looks, you're going to be thirsty again. Drink from his well. for drinks of these waters will never thirst. Indeed, I give you water that would spring will be a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This woman wants it. She says, Where do I get it? I don't want to come back here to drink from this well. Give me this living water stuff. Man, can I take a mission or pause? People want this. Don't just walk in, in, in your job, in your community, having the peace of God. When talking to people who need peace, don't bring up your source of peace. People want this. People wanna know how do you have solace in insanity. People want this. She says, give me this water. Jesus says, before I give you this water, There's something blocking you from receiving it. There's some idolatry in your life that we have to uproot, not just remove, but replace. You see, you have put your confidence, woman, at the well in men all of your life, and you keep hoping That the next man will do what the last man did. not And now you see this man talking to you, yet offering you something permanent, although you only have temporary situations with men who are only after one thing. I love Jesus. He's not after what that man is after. Thank you, Lord. And I know you may have suffered at, at, at the hands of whatever your idol is, but he is not your idol. Maybe you, you went through education and you thought you would have the job of your dreams and it never came. And you're like, God, why didn't come? He's not that failure. He's greater. As a matter of fact, one of the questions she would ask you, So, are you greater than our father, Jacob? If I'm Jesus, I'm saying, are you kidding me? You want me to record his, his history and his life? I'm far better than Jacob. He's not like every other man. Brother, he's not like every other woman. And regardless of how amazing or wonderful or beautiful she is, she cannot fulfill you, was not designed to fulfill you, but to walk alongside you in this idea called marriage. Where two people are together for life. Whatever we place our hope and trust in doesn't just need to be removed and then replaced with an identical object or some different idol. It needs to be removed and replaced with Jesus. And then He becomes our identity, our source, our strength, our why. He becomes our king, our leader, our defender. We become his servants who worship and serve him with all that we have and all that we are because we realize that nothing else satisfies. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right, you have five, and the one that you have now is not your husband. He is not saying that to shame her. Please be clear. But if he doesn't ask, possibly she doesn't see one of the prerequisites to change that you and I both need is to be able to see the weight and the futility of our sins. We need to see how we have fallen short. We need to see not just our imperfections, but the corruption of our sins and our desperate need our our soul cry for someone to come in and rescue us not just a drink for a day but a drink for life. We need Jesus. So man, I want to give you some time this morning to pray and to consider what is it in my life that if I'm honest This is not our church taught lingo stuff down at the recesses of your heart and mind. What if what are you trusting in? And how are you going to replace, remove and replace that idol so that Christ can take his proper place in your heart? I'll just be honest for my own self. I need to be reminded every day. Here's what your pastor needs. Jesus is the Jesus is the pastor of this church. Jesus got this in control. He's in charge. Rodney, you're not in charge. He's the pastor of your family. He's the father to your children. He loves and shepherds diligently your wife. I need to be reminded over and over and over again. He's in control. I need to be reminded over and over and over again that God knows what he's doing, even when I can't trace what he's doing. I need to be reminded over and over again that he's going to provide. He's going to be he's going to provide for our family. He's going to be he's going to provide for our church. That he's good like that. So, man, I don't know anybody in this pandemic where doubt and challenge and concern has not crept into their mind. For they have not tried to build some alternative plan to get out of where God has us. But here's what I know. My my, my daddy's good. His credit is exceptional. He's sovereign and he knows what he's doing. He's still in control. He's still saving and redeeming. He's our soon coming king. So pray and consider. I love you.